two months ago I got COVID and then right after I got over COVID, I went to Canada for the summer vacation and then just got back and just tried to get things back in order. And last night I went back to judo for the first time in two months. And this was after, you know, being super sick last year and trying to go through that recovery. I've learned something. I said, judo's really hard. I'm in so much pain right now. It's not bad. It's it's just like it's like the pain you feel when you just haven't exercised in a long time. And my lower back is just done. Probably because I haven't used my lower back. Uh I don't know. I got I got next Monday's a holiday and then I got a couple I got basically got two weeks to recover and go back. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get it back together sooner or later. I'm gonna get it back together. But again, if the energy level today feels more mid or low like i'm not a high energy dude on the podcast to be honest um it's it's one of my faults as a content creator because i was looking at like most popular content creators and stuff and they they all have like over the top reactions that's never going to be me but if i'm like almost asleep sounding this might be a good podcast to listen to if you want to take a take a nap or or one of those ones people listen to when they go to sleep because this, this is it. This is going to be it the whole time. Uh, inflation and the, the dropping of the yen value-wise has become a big issue. Uh, so much so that the government actually moved on it. So from October, so this is actually being released on October 4th. So October 1st, this actually came into effect. 6,442 food items price will be increased in Japan. Uh, it's a record number for a single day. And that, so the increased cost plus the weak yen means people who live here are kind of fucked. Um, Other interesting notes, just again, inflation. 60% of McDonald's items are going to go up in price. So like the hamburger, the basic hamburger is going to go from 130 to 150 yen. Small fries are going to 150 to 160 yen. And you might be like, this is 10 yen. It's, It's 20 yen. It's not that much. But then again, it's cumulative. It's every single item you buy. I went and bought a bottle of water. Bottles of water are usually 100, 110 yen. Last night it was 130. And so that's it. That's 20 more yen every time I buy a bottle of water or get a drink or anything like that. And so over time, like over the course of a month, I actually could probably calculate it. Because I buy everything through an online pay system and it, so it keeps track of every payment. And I could actually just do, like if you add 10 yen onto every purchase, I, I, I do. What does that end up being? It's going to be significant. Uh, so it was 6,442 6, 6, items on October 1st. It's 6,699 items in October. And this is Japan. The low, the, the the drop in the yen is actually another significant problem. I actually bought some stuff online, and it ended up costing me nearly twice as much. This is this is something. Okay, anyways, we'll do finish the story first, and then I'll do you a little little personal story. Uh, Japan spent 19 billion yen to try to stop the plunge of the yen, and it's the largest amount used to stem the slide in history. In 1998, on April 10th, they did a similar thing. It says 2.62 trillion yen, which you're like, well, that trillion is more than a billion, which is true. But uh, again, inflation and whatnot, the actual value of the yen has changed. What Japan does have, though, is 1.29 trillion yen in foreign currency reserves. So basically, Japan has bought American dollars. Japan has bought 
your euros and stuff like that. And they have that in reserve and then they can start using it to buck up the yen. So I'm hoping that works. Uh, seriously, basically my paycheck just got slashed by 10% or something. Uh, and the price of electricity went up. I think I actually said this before. The price of everything's going up, but electricity is a big one. Uh, we used less electricity in my house compared to last year, but actually paid more money for less electricity. So even though we're doing the right thing, we're conserving, we're, we're turning things off, we're using, it didn't matter. We actually ended up paying more money overall anyways. Uh, beer prices are going up in October. So people have been stockpiling beer. So again, this has already taken effect. So by the time you actually hear this, it's too late. So if you didn't stockpile your beer, you, you, you're shit out of luck. Stores were capitalizing it by offering sales. So basically, if you bought 24 cases of beer multiple, they would drop the price from 4 to 13%, different sales, different places, right? But they were basically saying, if you buy a ton of stock, we will give you a discount for buying in stock, which is kind of interesting. The beer sales in September doubled. A beer is one of those things that you can stockpile. Like it doesn't go off particularly. So uh, that's interesting. I actually quite, I thought that was quite funny. Uh, being a Canadian and growing up with America right next door is, leads you to think about money in a slightly different way. When I grew up, because if you bought a book, it would say $4 US and then $5.25, let's say, CAN, Canada. And you're always like, ah, it's because of the exchange rate. And I was like, yeah, I, it, I know they say it's because of the exchange rate, but it just feels like that's not the real reason. Like, how do you know the exchange rate fluctuates so that those prices should fluctuate? But of course, they can't do that on a book or something like that. So I understood they have to do like an approximation. But then there was one year, I don't remember, it was maybe 10 years ago, where the Canadian dollar, it was only for a couple of weeks, outvalued the American dollar for a short period. And those prices didn't change. They didn't flip them back. Canadians were still paying, let's say, 525 for a book, where Americans were paying four, even though the Canadian dollar was worth more. So that proved to me that that whole, it's because of the exchange rate and inflation and stuff like that, didn't mean anything. And I often feel like financial issues are almost made up. Like they're not real. This is, this is kind of the contract we make with the world is that we say that money has real, is real and it has value and stuff. But then at the end of the day, if it did, it would follow rules and trends where in real life it quite often doesn't. And I don't think a government could just like buy its own money and increase the value. Like that doesn't actually make sense. Uh, but yeah, it's a good time to come to Japan if you have a foreign currency, so as in a foreign person. And that is what Japan wants. They're hoping foreign people will come to Japan with their really, really high value American dollars and euros and stuff and spend them here. Because uh, right now you're going to get a good deal. So actually, num coronavirus numbers are, are down. Uh, they are down to what they were when I got hopeful last time, right before I got COVID, right before our last wave. So if we, I, again, I'm pessimistically optimistic. I'm really hoping it just goes away. It's been years and years now. But also I'm like, we, we can't stop being prepared. After I got COVID, I noticed that I was more lax. It's like I'd been defeated. 
So like I got it. So like all my efforts, wearing a mask every day, washing my hands and stuff, didn't matter. So I, for a few weeks when I got back to work, I noticed I was sort of more lax. I was like putting my mask on, but I, I wasn't washing. I wasn't using the like um, hand gel as often as I was before. I was just, I was just like, well, I've already got it. Like, what, what does it matter? And then I realized, no, no, like, because you can get it again and again and again. There are people who have had it like every single, like two, three times a year, every year since the pandemic has started because they just don't care. And I assume those people, yeah, if they survive that first one, their body gets better because they're essentially self-immunizing. I don't want to take that risk. Uh, but you, we've heard enough about Corona. I am trying to never talk about Corona again. But then as soon as I say that, I'm like, numbers in Tokyo, we're down to a, a thousand something, which is really good. If we can get below a thousand, that's going to be really optimistic, hopeful. Stay positive. Jesus, I can't do it today. I just hit the, the theme song. I didn't actually click the right one. Oh, shit, I did it again. Uh, so you can see that me getting my ass beat, I actually, it's interesting because I'm a high level belt, but I'm out of shape. And then I fought a low level belt who was really, really physically powerful and strong. And I won, but the price I paid for winning is that I am in horrible shape today. And I'm betting that guy, you know, he might feel something, but it's not like this. Uh, I should have just taken the loss. And just lay on the on the mats for a while. Anyways, technology in Japan has we have the technology minister, and he was the one. We've talked about him a couple times. He was trying to get rid of the hunko. He wants a digital hunko. He wants to get rid of the fax machine, and he's making some bold statements. And I did enjoy this first one. This is this is Taro Kano, who has said some really weird stuff in the past. I have no plan to be a coordinator. If there are people who have a problem with it, I will beat them up. It's interesting to see a 70-year-old man who's a politician threaten to beat up people physically. Uh, I don't think he means it. I think he means metaphorically. Like, if you resist the change I'm putting forward, I will, you know, go after your, your, your section or your ministry or whatever. Uh, he's saying it's difficult to do daily business compared to other countries, which is true. So, again, if you have to have every paper honkoed, every contract honkoed like five times and you have to be printed out five times, and it takes time to do all these things, we aren't doing business in Japan as efficiently. And it's ironic because, again, a foreign person's image of Japan would be technologically advanced and stuff like that. But the reality is you have tech companies making very highly advanced stuff. But then the day-to-day -day functions of most companies are very, very low-tech. He did come on an interesting point. So this is a man I generally disagree with, with a lot of his statements, but everything he's saying here is pretty accurate, and I do enjoy him threatening to beat people up. He blames the culture of Japan that does not encourage people to accept change. So basically, if a company does something one way, they will do that the same way forever even if there's a better way to do it. Because the, and again, I talk about the old men, but it's actually just symptomatic of what the problem is. You have an old man leader and he's like, we got this company to be this successful doing it this way. We will not change that. And then it encourages the people who work there to take on that same philosophy. Like, well, we've done it this way in the past. We're going to keep doing it that way in the future. And then someone comes in and says, oh, we have a new idea. We should try something new. And then that gets sort of poo-pooed and put down. And then you're not seen as, seen as a team player or not supporting the company. 
So the culture, the working culture, actually encourages people to be team players, but team players don't revolutionize industries. So I actually agree with what he says. And he said, this results in people ignoring problems. So there's a problem with the way we do it now, but that's how we've always done it. So there's no reason to change it. So we're going to continue just suffering that problem when we could automate it or we could come up with a new technology or we could find something else to make it work. This pairs very nicely with Japan hits a new low in digital ranking. So, you know, they rank countries on how digitally efficient they are. Uh, And Japan has been dropping places basically every year. Luckily, the people in Japan will never know because this is a digital ranking and it's posted on the internet. So they'll never see it because they maybe don't even have the internet. Japan ranked 29 out of 63 countries. That's down one more point since 2017. This is based on, a con- on economy-based knowledge, technology, and future readiness. Uh, knowledge dropped three places. So basically, the average person in Japan knows less about new technology or using technology uh, than other countries. So other countries have been moving forward. Japan's been staying the same. That's kind of what Taro Kano is saying. Like, we just do something and we do it the same way forever while other countries are changing and improving. So it's not that Japan has, their knowledge has decreased. It's flatlined. And then other countries, it's increasing. So people are learning new technology. They're learning new ways to do things. They're using new technology. Japan just doesn't do that. And then they blamed it on IT companies in Japan having poor management. And this might go back to the previous digital minister who was a guy who didn't know how to use a cell phone and he was supposed to be in charge of technology. And he tried to claim like, it doesn't matter if I don't know how to use technology. I make policy decisions and I have people who do the technology for me. But making policy decisions about a thing you don't understand isn't really the best way to go about it. Uh, It doesn't matter how much expertise or professionals there are on the ground if they don't have the authority to change business operations. So yeah, I could be like a mid-tier engineer or tech guy in my company and I find a problem or I have a solution to a problem that I've seen in our systems. If I can't bring that to management and actually have them listen, because again, this is Japanese companies are very top-down. If they're not going to listen to me, then I can't implement change and I can't improve the country, uh, the, the culture of the company I work in, which is not a big surprise. Uh, again, I think that whole upper strata of management have to go away. But the problem is they're training the new generation that would replace them. And they're training them to do what Taro Kano is saying is just do it the way it's always been done and everything will be fine. And that's just not the case. We need some real technological shakeups in Japan to really make things happen. And it would be to make technology more accessible and that's fine, but you need people to actually think that way for it to happen. I really enjoyed this this story for some reason, and it's just a really basic crime story. Uh, the president of Kapasushi, Kapasushi is a, is a kaiten sushi place, which means it has the conveyor belt that goes around in a circle, very dangerous during corona times. It's the song, she's saying it goes, Kappa, 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 Sushi. And they just sing that over and over again. It's like an earworm. It's really horrible. I actually, we don't have a kappa sushi near me. We have a sushiro, which is the one of sort of the family version we would go to, but it's basically the same idea. He has been arrested. The president of kappa sushi has been arrested for fraudulently obtaining trade secrets. And I was like, trade secrets for sushi? 
it's raw fish, so there's no like secret in how to cook it, and vinegar rice, which I am able to make at home and it tastes pretty good. So it's not like, I mean, you might have a slightly different formula, but it's not worth stealing. So I know this probably means business practices more than anything else, but my first thought was, what trade secrets are there in sushi, which is a very open food? There's no secret to what's in it. It's fish and rice and vinegar. There is the law. I was interested in the law that was, this was, he was being arrested under. was the Unfair Competition Prevention Act. So in Japan, if you compete with other companies unfairly by like fraud and stuff, that is a criminal offense. What he did was he used to work at Kapasushi. He was an executive at, oh, no, no, the other company is Hamasushi. He used to work at Hamasushi as an executive. So, of course, he had colleagues there when he left and became president of Kapasushi. He contacted some of his colleagues and said, hey, homie, can you put some of that stuff on a flash drive? Maybe leave that flash drive for me when we have, let's have some drinks and you drop the flash drive. I'll pick it up and maybe I have some secrets. I'm interested, what does, how does this benefit the guys who worked at Hamasushi, giving up the secrets? Did the guy, was, he, was there a, a, like a proposed payment? Were they like offered a position at Kapasushi when they, after they gave the information, they could bail and then move over? There, there is some dealings there I would be interested to see. Because if, 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 if I left the company I work at now and went to work for a different company, competing company, and I contacted one of my f- former colleagues or friends and said, can you give me the secrets that I know exist, but can you send them to me? I think they would say no. What's in it for them? Like there's, that's actually a huge risk for no benefit. So there had to be some kind of benefit. I would be interested in what the benefits are. Uh, there is a thing though. I thought this was also interesting. There's, a, there's a, a thing called the dual liability law in Japan. And it means that the president of Kapasushi gets arrested. The company Kapasushi is also partially culpable for his actions. So they're not going to just punish the president, who's an individual, who probably did this on his own. I mean, we don't know. But let's just assume he did it on his own for now. The company he works for is also going to get sued and also going to get in trouble. Which is an interesting way to get companies to keep their employees in line because the company, they could fire the president, but they still have to pay, let's say, millions of yen in restitution. That's a great reason for them to not encourage this kind of behavior. Well, sort of similarly on the theme of money, I should have maybe done this earlier. There's a pro-Russia hacking group called Killnet, uh, and they declared war on the entire Japanese government. And so they did denial of service attacks to different things. Uh, It was like Tokyo Metro, Osaka Metro, uh, Japanese companies, Japanese ministries. They would just find some Japanese computers and deny them access. But they said, Japanese people don't have to worry anymore. We cannot attack unless we find new sponsors. Japanese people do not have to worry anymore. Uh, I hadn't heard about them before this, so obviously it was kind of being handled fairly well. But I didn't realize, I didn't think about hacker groups, hacker groups having sponsors. Like, I actually assumed this kind of group would probably be sponsored by the Russian government. Or maybe it is indirectly, but the Russian government is in a certain amount of of a pickle right now with other issues going on. So hacking Japan has become a low priority. So yes, I think the other sponsors, perhaps the Russian government, has diverted funds and said, like, uh, we're going to not pay you guys to hack anymore. It's a weird choice to become a hacker who just attacks a country full of people you don't know. Like, I don't know. The Japanese government, if you philosophically, maybe you disagree with them, but you're not really hurting them. I guess you are. 
I don't know. I, it's it's weird. I think basically this is one of the case where you're hitting the, the, the common man more than anyone else. Um, a new Shinkansen line opened. On the first day, there was a bomb threat. So they got an email at 5.28 a.m., which is way too early in the morning to be doing this kind of stuff. Sophisticated explosives have been planted at several locations on the Nishikyushu Shinkansen line, and they are set to explode at 3.34 p.m. So they had X amount of time. There was no explosions. There was probably no bombs. Uh, it was interesting that just there's a new line, and of course, someone has to mess with it on the first day because people are dicks. And maybe that's they deserve to be hacked. Now my opinion has changed for the hackers. Maybe you're not hurting the common man. Maybe you're hurting this guy who obviously is just causing trouble for people who want to get from A to B uh, on the new Shinkansen line. Uh, I've talked about the astronaut program a few times, so I'm going to finish off with this. JAXA had 4,127 applicants for astronaut. 205 got through the first phase. 50 of those passed, and six of those are women which is very exciting because there is an, an underscore, a different plan. They want to have the first woman on the moon be a Japanese person, which is a pretty interesting goal. Uh, but I did learn what some of the things they had to do. The first round was presentations. And I teach a class in presentations and I kind of regretted not entering this because I thought I was too old. And then I found out there was like 70 year olds doing it. I give a killer presentation when I really put my heart into it. I could have destroyed them on the presentation section. The ad, there was aptitude tests. Now that's problematic because they're probably in Japanese. Now I speak adequate Japanese, but I'm reading, I'm basically illiterate. So I probably couldn't do the aptitude tests. So that's probably my biggest failure right there. Unless they did in English, which would be, again, a lot of like uh, airplanes and flights. All that communication is done in English. So maybe they do too. I doubt it, but maybe they do. And they have tests on skills needed for space work. I don't know what that means, but I started immediately thinking like turning a wrench while being suspended in space. Oh, so maybe they do some underwater stuff. Even if you don't pass, it would be fun to do. I really, I do honestly regret not trying uh, for that when I heard about it. I think I heard about it after it already started because I wasn't really intending to become a Japanese astronaut, but I, it's, I don't know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. I would love to go through, even if I don't end up being an astronaut, I would love to go through parts of the training and just see how far, what I can do. I'll sit in that chair that spins you around at different Gs until you go unconscious, like that kind of stuff. I, I'd love to try all that. So, given the opportunity for the next Japanese astronaut program, I am absolutely going to apply. And I think you should apply with me. I think we should all do it together. I think a whole bunch of foreign people coming to Japan and trying to be Japanese astronauts in itself would be kind of fun and interesting.